0: Good morning everyone. Is that the best you can do? Good morning everyone. That's great. My name is Sandy Robertson. My mom gave me a girl's name, Sandy, and when I traveled to Latin America they called me Sandia, which means watermelon. Uh, You might pick up a Canadian accent. I was born in Toronto, grew up in Toronto. My ears really perked up when I heard Pastor Todd say there was going to be hockey tonight. I'm thinking of staying over a few hours extra to get in on the hockey. Because I could skate before I could walk. But uh, I've been in Florida now 18 years. I pastor a church in Titusville. So I come from Canada originally. I now reside in Florida. I'm an American. So I'm bilingual. I speak both Canadian and American. So the Lord has given me a three-word message for you this morning. Three words I want to leave with you. Some of you are thinking, that's great. We're going to get to Olive Garden before the crowd gets there. If he's only got three words... But what comes to my mind is something my friend Otoniel Ayala, a Hispanic pastor in Los Angeles, said one time prior to his preaching. He said, uh, Soy hombre de pocas palabras, pero muchas explicaciones. I'm a man of few words, but much explanation. So I do have some explanation with the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. But before we do, let's bow in prayer and just uh, go to the Lord. It says of you, Lord Jesus, that you were anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And you went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. And you healed them. You healed them all. And I pray that likewise today, you being the same yesterday, today, and forever, you being present with us according to the promise of your word, that you would come and do good works in all of our hearts and heal and deliver and set free from any bondage that we still may find ourselves in, um, bound by the wicked one and all that he has um, wrought upon us in our lifetime. Come and be glorified, Father. Glorify your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We'll read verses 22 down through 26. Mark eleven, twenty-two to 26. So Jesus answered and said to them, And you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. After 36 years of ministry, I want to share with you this morning what I believe to be the single greatest reason why our prayers go unanswered, and also why many of us are stunted in our spiritual growth. Look with me again at verse 25. And this is where I get my sermon title. The three words that I bring to your attention all begin with the letter A. Anything against anyone. Let's read it again, chapter or verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, say it with me. Anything against anyone. Say it again. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I remind you, beloved, this is red-letter stuff. This is not Sandy Robertson speaking. This is your Lord and Savior speaking when he says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Does that leave us with any exclusions? Any exemptions? Any exceptions? Would it also include our enemies. In that three-word phrase, anything against anyone, Christians are to be members of the AAA Club. Amen. We're to be AAA Club members on the basis of the Lord's words from this passage of Scripture. Many years ago, I was ministering at a church in Santa Ana, California. It was a Thursday morning. I was in my bedroom, on my knees, praying, preparing for the evening meeting. That night, I wanted to speak on the subject of Christian freedom, liberty in the Lord, from the passage, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Lord whispered to my spirit, you're not free. You're not free. Not a good thing when the preacher wants to speak on liberty and he doesn't have liberty. And the Lord began to show me four different people in my life who had hurt me and hurt me deeply. And I suppose even... Unknowingly, I was harboring bitterness, anger, resentment, and certainly unforgiveness towards them. Starting with my own parents, who, for some reason, didn't tell me that my grandmother had died. And I found out ten days later, from a friend in our church, we were living in a different city, A friend sent us a sympathy card. I thought, why wouldn't my parents tell me that my grandmother died? It wasn't as though we didn't have a good relationship, my parents and I. But they didn't tell me. And then the Lord brought a really deep hurt to mind. And it came from our eldest daughter, who after five years of marriage, Announced that she didn't love her husband anymore and that she was going to leave him. She wanted a divorce and she was going to shack up with a guy at the bank that she worked at. She'd grown up. She was the perfect child. Never had an ounce of trouble with her. She went to Bible school with her husband to be. They got married and they were serving the Lord in a church in ministry. And then all of a sudden, she cracked. Something happened. Who knows what. And she just announces out of the clear blue that she's divorcing her husband. So she and I are very, very close. So I said to my wife, I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to fix this. I couldn't fix it. (laughs) So... That brought on great hurt to my wife and I and our family. She was in that state for several years, ended up getting pregnant out of wedlock. And we have a granddaughter who has never known her father, will never know her father. I'm like a dad to her. But as you can imagine, that was a very, very painful time for us. Thirdly, because I had to go back into business, I've got a sales and marketing background. I'd moved from Toronto to Calgary to start a church, but I had to do some tent making, so I went back into business. And I was very successful in, in business and making a very good salary. But one of my mentors, a pastor friend and colleague, was accusing me publicly of having lost my first love, gone back into the world to make it with riches. wasn't true, but he was accusing me, and I was very angry. And lastly, there was a couple that we were very, very close to. They just, all of a sudden, they dropped our, our friendship like a hot potato. No explanation. That was it. Friendship was over. So the Lord was saying to me, you've got a choice to make. On the basis of this passage before us, you can either forgive them from your heart, and I will free you, or you can hold on to your justified anger and bitterness and resentment, and you'll stay bound. Make your choice. So by that time, I'm weeping, and I'm praying, just as though those people were in that bedroom with me, And I called their names. I spoke to them by name. Mom and Dad, don't know why you wouldn't tell me, but I forgive you in Jesus' name. Name my daughter. Name these friends. Name this pastor mentor. And that night, I did preach on that passage. And one of the elders said to me afterwards, I've never seen you preach with such liberty. Boy, that was great. You were very free tonight, weren't you? And he didn't know what I've just shared with you. I want to put four scriptures up on the screen. And these four scriptures all have something in common. First scripture is from Luke 17, verse 5. Lord, increase our faith. That's what the apostles prayed. Second scripture, Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Third scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. And the last and very, very familiar scripture to us all found in Matthew 18, verse 20. Whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The context of all four of those scriptures, you check me up, is forgiveness. The context is forgiveness. Even the last one, and we'll look at this a little in detail in a moment or two. But when Jesus said, when people are gathered together in my name, when you hear the word name, think nature. Think character. When I speak the name Billy Graham, you think of a certain individual and you think of certain characteristics of him. So Jesus said, when people gather together and they're displaying my character, my nature, when they are forgiving others as I have forgiven them, I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be in their midst. We heard Pastor Todd read from Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer. Raise your hand if you could recite the Lord's Prayer without having to read it from the Bible. Raise your hand. Most of us could do that. Raise your hand if you could recite the two verses after the Amen. Verses 13 and 14. Can anybody do it without looking? This is what the next two verses say. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. This is powerful stuff. Once again, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. This is red letter stuff. On the basis of the Lord's prayer, daily bread he speaks of there, we need to be forgiven daily (laughs) because we have hurt God, we've offended God, we've grieved God. And we need to ask him for forgiveness. But there isn't a person in this room this morning that hasn't been deeply hurt by someone else. Or if you haven't already, trust me, you will be. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 17, the way of peace they have not known. So the Bible is teaching us there's a pathway that we need to walk. If we are going to know inner peace. And I can sum up that path under the category of two things. First of all, and most importantly, we need to experience forgiveness from God. That's vertical. Acts 13 verse 38 says, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, And this man only, only this man, Christ Jesus, it's preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves sinners and He forgives sins? That was the knock against Him. This man forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus is God and He forgives sins. All sins. Hallelujah. So if we're going to know peace, In our hearts, we first of all need to be reconciled to God, repent of our sins, put our faith in Christ and Christ alone, and in His substitutionary work on the cross of Calvary in our place, the blood that He shed to appease the wrath and anger of God, the judgment that was due upon our heads, put on Him. And we get off scot-free, and we're reconciled to God, and He gives us peace. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for that. And on the basis of that, this path that we walk, if we're going to know inner peace, is not only receiving forgiveness from God, we need to extend forgiveness to others, to all others. Anything. Against anyone, no exemptions, no exclusions, no exceptions. The Bible says, on this horizontal level, extending forgiveness to others in Ephesians four thirty-two: Be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as say it with me, even as God in Christ forgave you. Brethren, divine forgiveness and human forgiveness go hand in hand. Turn with me, please, to Matthew 18. I said to you earlier that the four scriptures have something in common Verse 20, once again, where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm there in the midst of them. Look in verse 15, rather. Moreover, if your brother sins against you. You see that? This all came before. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Further down, verse 20. Our text where you have two, where two or three are gathered in my name, my nature, my forgiving heart. I'm there in the midst of them. Verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And you can feel Peter's chest coming out seven times. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Then he tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, His master commanded him that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. He released him. And he forgave him the entire debt. But that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that great debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And the next verse is one quoting the scripture that we tremble before the word of God. This verse 35 causes me to tremble when I read it out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from your heart if you do not forgive your brother his trespasses. The parable is clear. The debt was massive owed by the servant to his master. In our currency, perhaps the equivalent of $10 million. He had no ability whatsoever to pay the debt. You and I have no ability. It doesn't matter how good you've been living or I have been living throughout our life. You do not have what it takes to pay the debt of your sin and the great uh, wrong against God the great offense of your rebellion and my rebellion against a holy God. We can't pay it. We deserve hell. We deserve punishment because of our independence, because of our love of self, our love of sin, and our rebellion against the God who created us for himself and for his pleasure. But God said, I make a way through the cross, through the blood of my son, that I can forgive the entire debt, all of it. And you're freed and you're released. But this man had a debtor who owed him the equivalent of $100. And we noticed in our text, couldn't he have heard the exact same words coming out of this man's mouth that he himself prayed to his master. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. I'll I'll pay it back, please. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Even though the king, the bookkeeping king, was prepared to set his bookkeeping aside, this man wasn't prepared to do the same. And we notice in verse 32, I make no apologies for the word of God out of the mouth of Jesus. But he says in verse 32, he calls his servant, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Jesus here is likening unforgiveness with wickedness. To those people who have received such forgiveness from God, having been forgiven this massive debt, but unprepared. To forgive another human being of the offense, the hurt that they've caused you. Another thing we see that is always the case. I've never seen exception, even with my own mother. Jesus said in verse 34, The master was angry, delivered him to the torturers. With unforgiveness, people who are harboring unforgiveness, resentment, anger towards another fellow human being, they will remain in torment. They will be tormented within. You will never get free. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills somebody else. It doesn't work that way. It hurts you. It's doing you damage. We've all been hurt. I'm thinking particularly of hurts that are undeserved, where you were innocent. Some hurts are self-inflicted. We reap what we sow. Let me show you a picture, introduce you to Tanya. I've been privileged to travel several places in the world, many countries in the world, to preach. Tanya was attending a Bible college in Siberia where I was teaching. I've been there three times. And after one of the sessions, she asked if she could talk to me. And she said, I've got terrible problems in my relationship with my husband. I've been married eight years. We have one child, a son. But I want nothing to do with him, especially physically. There's something wrong. Uh, Something's been hurt inside. And she went on to tell me that when she was six years old, she was raped by her uncle. And she's carried this burden for some time. So I talked with her and shared with her out of the scripture, essentially brought her to the place where, Tanya, you must forgive him. You must choose to forgive him. And she did. That was on a Friday morning. Sunday morning we had church. It was a large church in a place called Barnaul in Russia. And um, she testified. She was Glowing, She was radiating. She'd been relieved, this incredible burden, what God did, just because she made the choice to forgive this uncle. Sadly, my own mother, whom I love dearly, she's gone to be with the Lord. She died a bitter old woman, a bitter, self-centered old woman, because she was sexually abused by her brother, two years older, when she was six or seven. And she carried that her whole life, and she would not forgive him, sadly. I preached on forgiveness in our church. There was a lady who was carrying an incredible hurt and pain. Her husband had come to her, her husband of 10 years, four kids, and said, I want a divorce. I'm leaving you for another man. Devastating. Devastating. What do you do with that? But Gina chose in time to forgive him. And she was released and freed on the basis of how much she herself had been forgiven by God. God is the great forgiver. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 99, verse 8. You were to them the God who forgives. Aren't we so thankful? Amen? I've heard Corey ten Boom say this many, many times. God casts our sins into the deepest sea and posts a sign, No fishing allowed. Say it with me. No fishing. Fishing allowed. Isn't that great? Uh, the devil can throw it in your face, but thankfully we've been um, forgiven, and God says no fishing allowed. A friend of mine travels to India quite a bit to minister, and he was in this church, and the pastor told him this story of a woman in his church who said she had a vision of Jesus. So she came to the pastor and said, Pastor, uh, do you think it's true? Do you think it was really him? And the pastor was very wise. He said to her, you know, if you have the vision again, ask him this question. Ask him what your greatest sin was before you became a Christian. Sure enough, two weeks later, she has this vision of the Lord. And she says, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me, what was my greatest sin before I became a Christian? And he answered, I can't remember. It was the Lord. The Bible says, Your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. God is the great forgiver. Psalm 103, verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquities. Verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. First John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Your Savior and my Savior from the cross cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the heart of God. The great forgiver. Tim Keller says forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not, though. Forgiveness is not, first of all, reconciling. When you forgive that person who has hurt you, it does not necessarily mean that you are going to be reconciled to them. It takes two people, two parties uh, to reconcile. But the injured party can forgive without there being reconciliation. Romans 12.8 says, "Forgiving, As much as it depends on you, live peaceably. With all men. Secondly, when you forgive anything against anyone, it's not condoning or excusing their hurtful behavior. What was done to you was wrong, and often it was wicked, it was devilish, and certainly very hurtful. So, When you forgive that person, you, and certainly God, is not condoning it, that it's okay. Thirdly, when you forgive the way our Lord is instructing us this morning, it's not dismissing or minimizing the hurt that you've experienced as being insignificant or inconsequential. The pain, the injustice that you suffered, the violation that you experienced is real. I was very smart when I was young. In elementary school, I skipped a grade. So I was in a higher grade at the age of 11, and I was with some teenagers in the same class who were two and three years old. Earlier, older than I was now you know that at that age a gap of two or three years is huge and there was a particular teenager in that class who had befriended me and invited me over to his house many times and in the course of time he sexually violated me and introduced me to sexual practices that became a snare for many years until my adult life. I was innocent, naive, and he violated me, as some of you have been. And as I got older, and again dealing with having to struggle through the consequences of that experience. I had to come to a place where I forgave him. I could name his name this morning. The pain was real. Forgiveness is not rejoicing when your enemy falls or stumbles, when the person who hurts you gets paid back somehow. We don't rejoice. Proverbs 24, 17 says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lastly, forgiveness. When you forgive as Jesus is teaching us, it's not forgetting. I just told you of something that happened to me when I was 11. The scar is still going to be there, but hallelujah, the power of it has been removed. This is a supernatural act of God by the Holy Spirit when we choose to forgive those who have hurt us. Wonderfully, miraculously, He removes and heals the pain and we're released from it. So we are no longer burdened by it, feeling guilty by it, dirty, ashamed, whatever it might be. In my community, we have a Volunteer fire department driving down US 1 and I saw this sign. Let me ask you is this sign biblical? 9 11, never forget, never forgive. Is that biblical, Christian? We feel the pain, we feel the sentiment, anger rises, we want justice, vengeance. But if we embrace what that sign is telling us to do, we're in trouble. And that will not be the way God would have us to deal with our enemies. Let me share with you what biblical forgiveness is. First of all, biblical forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You have got to make the choice to hit the delete button. Okay, that's it. If I want to be free... If I really want to know inner peace with God and within my own soul, I've got to forgive. I've got to hit that delete button. Nobody can do it for me. And if I don't, I will continue to bear that hurt. Second thing, when we forgive, we relinquish the desire to get even. Romans 12.9 says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. There will be a settling of account. It's not going to come at our hand. It's going to come from the hand of God. He is going to sort these things out. There will be a settling. There will be a judgment. God will take care of it. You let him do it. Release it. Let him have it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Thirdly, when we forgive others, we're also refusing to punish them when we have the opportunity. Romans twelve seventeen says, don't repay evil for evil. Think Joseph. You meant it for evil, you rotten brothers. <laughs> you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. We serve a great and powerful, sovereign God. Can take even those things that have so marred us and hurt us, and he can turn around, he can bring good out of it. You meant it for evil, God's going to take it around and use it for good. Hallelujah. Verses 20 to 21. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Jesus said, bless your enemies. Pray for them. This is not natural. This is otherworldly. This is counterintuitive. This is heavenly. This is God. This is the power and spirit of God in a man or a woman. Only Jesus can live like that. It's not natural. But God gives us the power to do it. And in so doing, we're liberated. We're freed. Next biblical forgiveness forgives all. All. Anything against anyone. Say it with me. Anything against anyone. Living, dead, family, friends, enemies, pastors, churches, denominations, organizations employers, even yourself. I had a woman come to me. I was teaching at a marriage seminar in Titusville at another church. She came to me and said, I can forgive my father who raped me, but he also raped my daughter." And I cannot forgive myself for not protecting my daughter. Do you hear what I just said? This, This is what this woman experienced. Her own father raped her and raped her daughter. And she said, I can forgive him, but I can't forgive myself. I should have been there for my daughter. I should have protected her. I should have seen it coming. So I said to her, do you believe that God has forgiven you? even if you could have been there to protect your daughter, and you weren't. Have you asked God to forgive you for that? She said, yes, I have. I said, you believe that God has forgiven you? And she says, yes. I said, are you greater than God who can forgive you, but you will not forgive yourself? And the light went on. And in that moment, she chose to forgive herself. And the Lord freed her. This is a a painful but a necessary subject because many of you are sitting here listening to the Word of God and names and experiences are right there. Some have already shed a tear because the pain is so real and so powerful. What was done to you? So I would suggest to you To do what the Bible says. Forgive for selfish reasons. Proverbs 11.17 says, The merciful man or the forgiving man does his own soul good. Dear beloved brother and sister, do it for your own soul's good. Forgive that person who so hurt you so deeply. Let go of it. Forgive them. For your own good. And God will release you. Do it for selfish reasons. Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 7, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the forgiving. For they shall receive mercy. They shall receive forgiveness. We're going to close now. And I trust that the Spirit of God has been speaking to many of you speaking the truth in love and in compassion. God knowing you before you were born, knowing exactly what you went through and the pain that you've suffered at the hands of someone else. And yet, independent of that, somewhere in your life you've acknowledged, I'm a great sinner and I need a great Savior to forgive me of all my sins. And you've accepted that forgiveness from God. And you are going to go to heaven when you die and live with Him throughout all eternity. But now we've got to live it out on this level. And your Lord and Savior is saying to you, the truth in love as I've forgiven you, now choose to forgive those who have hurt you. So I'm going to ask the elders to come. And they're going to hold. A box of tissue in their hands. This tissue represents tears, many tears that you have cried over that hurt, over that pain, undeserved as it was. What do we do with the tears? What do we do with this pain? We take it to the cross, we take it to the Christ of the cross. We take it to the place where we ourselves have received forgiveness, but also where we receive power to forgive. We take it to the cross. This trash can this morning represents the cross. And I'm going to ask many of you, as God has spoken to you, and you know if the Lord has said to you, this is a word for you. I've ordained that this man should be in this place at this time for you to hear this word because I love you and I want to free you. Because like him, you're not free. And this is the reason why. So I want many of you to come and from the elders, just take a tissue and deposit it in the trash. And by so doing, you're saying, Lord Jesus, I take this to the cross. I take my pain. I take my tears. To the cross where I've been forgiven and I choose this morning I choose in Jesus name to forgive that person and in your heart and in your mind you name names before God and I believe as we saw this morning many many people came forward with their hurt and pain and they were released I'm not going to embarrass you I'd ask you to come Deposit your tissue in the trash. Stand at the front. Then I'd like to pray for you. Then we'll close. This is a holy moment in the presence of the Lord. I believe God is with you, with us, and I believe you've heard His word this morning. So, if He's spoken to you, you come forward and do as I suggest. Take the tissue, put it in the trash, and be be freed. Yes, men as well, always a lot easier for the women to admit it, but men, we've been hurt too, so humble yourself and admit it, acknowledge it. The anger, whatever it is, the father that never said I loved you, never supported you, things that were said to you by those who loved you, should be loving you, should have been your support, and they were exactly the opposite. Those pains are deep. Forgive them. Forgive them this morning in Jesus' name. We'll just wait a few seconds more. There's no pressure, but this is your moment. God is with us this morning, and he's doing a great healing work. You come forward if you like. We just move along a little bit so folks can put their tissues in the trash. You come if you need to. Lord, we're a a marred people. We're a broken people. We're broken by our own sin, first of all. We know that. We need a healer. And because of sin, not only in us, but in others, Lord, we likewise have been broken and hurt. These precious souls, Lord, whom you love, each one of them, know each one of them. Know exactly why they're standing here. You know exactly the circumstances that went on, their history, Lord, their pain. Lord, the tears that they've shed over that hurt. And by your grace and through the power of your spirit and the truth of your word, they stand here, Lord, this morning in your presence cooperating with you, saying, Lord Jesus, I choose to forgive so-and-so. I choose to forgive them for what has been done to me this morning. I choose. I let go of it on the basis of your forgiveness to me. And I thank you, Lord. And now I pray for each one. Father, in Jesus' name, glorify your Son. Come, great healer. Come. And go deep into each of these hearts, minds, and make whole, Lord. Make pure. Release from this terrible, terrible burden. Break the chain, Lord. Deliver from the evil one and all that he's inflicted upon them. Release them this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Bring the power, Lord, of your accomplished work on the cross into each of these lives this morning. And according to your word, set them free. Whom the Son sets free is freed indeed. Be free in Jesus' name. Go and walk in this freedom that God has given you this morning on the basis of his word and what you have done according to his word. Be free in Jesus' name. God bless you. Give one another a hug. You ladies with ladies and men with men, or unless it's your spouse, bless one another give the Lord a hand. Isn't God great? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God.